as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the six-fold Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot And I'm Andy Wilson, also Big Shiny Robot uh, We've got a bunch of movies this week we got four uh, new movies that have come out We'll be doing my take on Ben-Hur Andy on Hell or High Water, and then we both get to weigh in on Kubo and the Two Strings and War Dogs, which, yeah, I was a bit hesitant about that one, but we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. We'll get, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Well, so, we're going to go first to worst to first, and that unfortunately means we start off with the big budget flop remake of Ben-Hur. Why in the heck do you remake Ben-Hur? I don't, I don't know what's going on with this. It's funny we were we were waiting for the the screening to start, and I was sitting there with some of the other critics, and we were we were desperately googling to see. I think this is the first remake of a Best Picture winner we've ever had. I couldn't think of anything else that I, I mean things have been nominated and been remade, but is I think I'm pretty sure this is the only one that's a remake of a Best Picture winner. Was was King Kong ever nominated? For, well, I, it definitely didn't win Best Picture, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right. It's and and the, my take on remakes is you remake bad movies, you don't remake good movies, um, or you remake you remake movies that maybe haven't aged well that have a good concept. Something like your Ocean's Eleven, your uh, your Italian Job, or even your Pete's Dragon. You, you remake it and update it and, and make it its own thing, and it works. But Ben-Hur? Like, what? <laughs> Why would you do that? Anyway, so Ben-Hur, we're all, well, most of us should be familiar, the original star Charlton Hessen, uh, and it's it kind of follows the same storyline. This one we've got Jack uh, Huston or Houston or however you say his name. Uh, I don't care enough to learn. Uh, uh. <laughs> he is the he's our main character, uh, Judah Ben Hur. Uh, he's a Jewish prince growing up in Roman occupied Jerusalem, and his best friend slash almost brother is his adopted Roman brother uh, Messala, who's played by Toby Kebbell, who actually is the probably the best part of this movie. I mean, there's uh, I'll get to it in a second. Uh, anyways, they're they're best friends. They've grown up together. They. Like brothers do, they they spar and they fight and they argue and they race, um, and then it kind of comes to a point where Masala feels like, hey, it's great that I'm part of this family, but you've got your own Jewish traditions. I'm Roman. I don't even know my traditions, so I need to set out and kind of make a name for myself. So he goes off and joins, uh, becomes a legionnaire, eventually gets in charge of his own company of men, uh, and really makes a name for himself as this high up kind of Roman um, centurion. So he comes back to visit years later. Uh, Judah Ben-Hur, he's still there, he's still uh, kind of taking a, a bigger role of taking care of his people, but the big problem is, is that you've got these Jewish zealots who are trying to rise up against the Roman oppressors, and Judah Ben-Hur, you know, he's against that, he wants to have peace between their people, but at the same time, he's loyal to these zealots because they're Jewish, he doesn't want to turn them in because he knows they would probably be crucified, like literally, that's what they did back then. So when Masala comes to visit, he's like, hey, uh, Pontius Pilate's going to be in town next week. I need you to ver- guarantee me that this will be it'll be fine. There'll be no attacks. It'll be a peaceful thing. And Ben Hur's like, sure, 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 no problem. Well, of course, <clears throat> wackiness ensues. Uh, the pilot's almost killed, and Ben Hur, to save his family, confesses. But apparently, then at that point, his family's taken away and crucified by Masala, and he is sentenced to live in a galley, or which is you know the the rowers in the ships for five years. 
until he escapes, comes back to Jerusalem, and guarantees uh, in order to get his revenge against Masala. And that's where he meets Morgan Freeman, who's a wandering sheik, who puts up the money for him to get into the infamous chariot race, um, and so on and so forth. So, again, this is pretty similar to the original movie. The best thing I can say about it is that it's only two hours long. It's not four hours long, because the original was, again, it's an incredibly full and long movie. Um, there's nothing really bad here, but there's nothing really great. It, it kind of feels like this should have been released on the Hallmark Channel and not really in a big screen. I mean, yeah, the, the chariot race at the end, that's fantastic. It's, it's kind of what we're all there for, and the movie... The movie begins at the cherry race, and then it does a flashback. Um, so it's it's always kind of saying, oh yeah, it's coming up, it's coming up, and we promise you it's almost here. And then you have it, and it's cool. Uh, I don't know, it's, it's there. It exists. I don't know why it needs to be there. Um, I think if you're of a, like our age, in your 30s or 40s, and your parents or grandparents are still around, and they remember watching the original when they were younger... They might want to go see it to get some nostalgia on a Sunday afternoon. Aside from that, though, I really don't know who this movie is for or why it exists. Again, it's not bad. It's just very mediocre. And I guarantee you, if you mention it to me in three weeks from now, I, I won't remember what you're talking about. So, um, about a 5 out of 10. Again, it's not bad. It's not good. It just exists. Just please don't remake Lawrence of Arabia. Let's like, or or the Maltese Falcon, or Casablanca. Let's just leave those movies alone, please. You well, know, see, I'm I'm fine with a remake of a movie, even if it is a good movie, like like you mentioned, even some of those. But let, let's, you know, is there a different way to tell the story? Can you do it from a different person's perspective? Is there a new technique mm-hmm. you're using um, that we didn't have before? So that's all fine, but you know. Psycho, the, the remake of Psycho that Gus Van Sant did, I mean, that was a shot-for-shot oh, wow. shot remake. And, again, you're you're completely redoing a masterpiece, but you're doing it the exact same way. Um, it goes beyond homage into absurdity, and it's like, why? that's no point. And, yeah. again, this one at least was decently done. Uh, the acting's okay, although the one thing that really confused me was after Ben-Hur escapes from the galleys... Uh, he transforms from being a normal-sounding voice to, he sounds like Batman in the Dark Knight. Like, the whole rest of the movie. <laughs> I don't know why. They never explained it. <laughs> but he fully does that. And then, uh, oh, and of course, you know, the, the original book of Ben-Hur was Ben-Hur, A Tale of the Christ. And if we remember back to the Charlton Heston version, there is a brief moment where we see Jesus on the cross, and that's about it. Um, he does have a slightly bigger role here, where they actually meet Jesus of Nazareth and um, learn some lessons from him. But then, at the end, it just and spoiler alert, if you don't care, uh, or if you care about this, uh, Jesus dies, it rains, it heals the lepers. What? Jesus died? What? Jesus, yeah, Jesus dies, and then it starts oh. raining, and the rain heals the lepers, and Ben-Hur realizes that he needs to forgive everyone, and runs and finds Masala, who's lost his leg, and love conquers all, and they ride off into the sunset on horses, and at the end, I lean over to our friend Brooks as they're running off, and they should be holding hands. And I was like, now kiss, damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a really corny ending, and yeah, but you, your mom and dad and your grandparents will love it. If you want to have a, let them have a fun day at the movies, take them to see it. Um, otherwise, you could just never see this movie, and it wouldn't matter. Great. I will plan on doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so I was I was deciding yesterday 
uh, I, I missed our press screenings, and I said, I, I, what should I go see, Adam? Should I go see Ben-Hur, or should I go see War Dogs? And I went and saw War Dogs, based on your advice. Uh, this is based on the true story of a couple of kids in Miami who figured out how to game the system of military contracting and uh, bid on a giant contract and make millions of dollars uh, providing somewhat illegal arms to uh, to the Iraqi and Afghan armies. Just a tiny uh, bit illegal. Just a little <laughs> tiny bit illegal. Uh, but this, this movie is most interesting, I think, uh, for the fact that it probably has sat on a shelf for a little while. Uh, you can tell because Jonah Hill hasn't lost all of his weight yet. Uh, and you also have Miles Teller. And they were... Oh, uh, Miles Teller. Oh, Miles Teller. Uh, who they were best friends in middle school. Miles Teller is now a massage therapist. And he he meets up with his old friend from middle school who said, Hey, I'm, I'm doing this stuff where I go to police auctions... I buy seized weapons and then I sell them to people on the internet at a huge markup. Do you want in on it? And he said, oh yeah, now we're not doing that anymore. Now we're doing military contracting. And wackiness ensues. They end up um, running a, a shipment of guns uh, through the Triangle of Death uh, between Fallujah and Baghdad. And the aforementioned uh, giant Afghan deal where they were supplying illegal weapons to the Afghan army. Uh, lots and lots of fun. Um, it is set to be mostly comical, but it is it is kind of serious. And uh, I, I think the strangest thing about this movie is how true it is. I kind of have a problem with it because it, it seems like this movie is coming out either a little bit too late or a, not quite soon enough. Um, we've had a lot of these like Iraq Afghanistan retrospectives in the past few years and it's just like wait why why are we still talking about this what what is the new thing that we're trying to say here yeah and um, it, this this take doesn't feel really fresh it also doesn't feel super insightful it's mostly just like oh yeah our military contracting system sucks and we shouldn't let a bunch of stupid bros into uh, into the military contracting process. Yeah, and see, so going into this, I I, I try to stay away from trailers as much as possible, uh, just because I, I like to go in with as little information as about a movie as possible, except like the Star Wars and the Marvel stuff, because I'm excited about those. So I've only seen the trailers for this. They've they showed them a couple times during before some screenings, which is, I don't know why they do that, but they have been. And the one thing I'll say is that the movie, the, what you see in the trailer is only the first 45 minutes of this movie. Like, it, it does a really kind of poor job of presenting what the whole story is about. I mean, you get the general idea. You've got these two dude bros who are stoners, and they sell weapons to the military, and blah, blah, blah. But like you mentioned, there is a good story here. Again, a couple years too late, uh, considering that, you know, we're Yes, I'm sure a lot of this is still going on, but um, it's it's not quite as timely as it could have been. But I don't know. Like, this I went in kind of like ah oh, crap because Miles Teller and I he's my nemesis and I hope he dies. Uh, I walked out and I was actually kind of pleasantly surprised. I mean, it was entertaining. 
Uh, I don't know so much that Todd Phillips was the best person to direct this movie. He's you know known from the Hangover films. Yeah. Because it's such a serious story. But and yeah, there is some humor in it, and the humor was fine. Um, but so much, and again, so much of what happened in this movie because I actually went and did a lot of research because I was like, I want to see how true it was. A lot of it never happened. It was all blown out of proportion, and they threw a lot of fun. Like the whole driving through the triangle of death never happened, and um, but the part where they were repackaging Chinese um, Chinese bullets to sell to the Afghans did happen. So I don't know. Like I, it almost kind of made me like Miles Teller, which makes me sick because I hate Miles Teller. But yeah. I will say <laughs> that Jonah Hill is just a completely horrible, horrible person in this, and he does a tremendous job of making you want to hate him. Yes. Uh, so anytime you can elicit that strong of a response from someone watching a movie, uh, kudos to you, because again, Jonah Hill, he's showing that he can do more than just stoner comedies. He can do stoner dramas now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but he, he does do a great job of every time he's on screen just wanting to go up to him and punch him in the nose, and it's very, very cathartic when Miles Teller does it. Yeah, it, it is. It, this is the first movie where I felt good about Miles Teller punching someone rather than wanting to punch Miles Teller. Or watching someone punch so, him all in Whiplash. Yeah, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, I, yeah, I, I thought this movie was good. I just, yeah, you're totally right about Todd Phillips. And, uh, of course, because it's Todd Phillips, he's got to get his buddy Bradley Cooper, who was also executive producer on the movie. And actually, I uh, liked Bradley um, Cooper in this. He's like, yeah, one of the things I like, too, so. He was actually pretty good, but I, but, like, yeah. Uh, oh, I'm a I'm a hardcore arms dealer, and uh, so I get to be all cool and mysterious in this movie. It's like, yeah, of, of course you get that plum roll because you're Bradley Cooper. So there you go. Yeah, but it's again, it's just watching dude bros be dude bros and make money, and it could have been more interesting. But I, I was surprised walking out because the the, the trailers just were cringeworthy. So I'll, I'll give it props that at least I didn't hate it. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, not not bad. Um, but I'm just like, yeah, th- this was a movie. It was it was pretty good, and I, I guess maybe worth seeing if if you really love something about this. But otherwise, I'm I'm right up the middle at a five. What about you? I'm a little bit higher at a six. Again, I think just because it surprised me, and mm-hmm. maybe if I went and saw it again, I'd, I'd feel differently. Uh, I have cooled cooled a bit since I saw it. I probably was a bit closer to a six and a half, seven uh, on Monday. But again, thinking it over and kind of picking it apart, you know, did lower it a little bit. Again, though, it's it's not a bad movie. Uh, it's just not anything that's just so outstanding that you have to go see it right away. Yeah, totally. I, I think I may have also been a little bit colored by the fact that I saw this back-to-back with Kubo and the Two Strings, which I loved so much that after seeing that, I was just like, eh, this was good, but it, it wasn't Kubo, you know? Yeah, so... Um, Kubo, yeah, Kubo's amazing, but I think we want to save that one, because I think you and I have we, some we do. to talk about. So. We definitely do. But before we get there, I want to talk about another amazing film that I really wished you'd gotten to see this. Uh, I know, Hell me too. Hell or High Water. Oh, Hell or High Water is such a great film. Uh, this is a new classic Western. This is No Country for Old Men mixed with the modern West, the Texas oil patch, and kind of the the modern Western nostalgia uh, over you know the loss of the West and the and the cowboy and the free range and and those sorts of ideas that go through a lot of westerns. Uh, what we've got here is a story of two brothers, Chris Pine and Ben Foster, 
and they are out robbing banks. And at first, we don't know exactly why they're robbing banks. They keep hitting one specific bank, and uh, they're going in. They're not taking any of the money out of the vaults. They're just taking the money from the cash drawers, and they're only taking 20s and unders so that it's untraceable. Because they aren't actually stealing that much money at any given time, only a few thousand dollars, the feds aren't getting involved, so the only people who care about it are the Texas Rangers. So uh, in come two Texas Rangers, played uh, by Gil Birmingham, who you may uh, know from House of Cards or the Twilight movies, and the dude himself, Jeff Bridges. This is the most amazing uh, Jeff Bridges performance. I, I think you kind of have two modes of Jeff Bridges. You have the dude, Jeff Bridges, and you have the crazy heart, Jeff Bridges, where he's got that Western affectation. Now, if you took both of those and smooshed them together into one and turned him into a Texas Ranger, uh, a racist Texas Ranger, I might add, uh, uh, th- that's what you have here. And, where, where does the, the Tron Jeff Bridges come into play? Uh, we forgot. I, I think that's kind of the dude, isn't he? He's like in, in early the second one, the definitely, dude. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I, I, it's just uh, Tron-sided. Yeah, Flynn, Flynn is basically the dude before he started smoking lots of weed. He's, he's the dude if he had access to a computer. <laughs> uh, anyway... Uh, so, uh, there's, there's a mystery. Why are these two boys out trying to rob these banks? Um, and, uh, and these two Texas Rangers are, are out on their trail and trying to catch them. Uh, Jeff Bridges is hilarious and amazing in this. Uh, he is so mean to his partner and he just, every chance he gets, he's, uh, he's saying, awful racist things about him being a native american and and like halfway through the movie he's like you know that i'm i'm half mexican too right and he's like yeah well when i run out of insults about the engine part of you then i'll get on to the mexican part oh god (laughs) he's but it's it's one of those where it's like can you have good-natured racism uh, you kind of get the sense that it is that he doesn't really mean it. He's just trying to push his partner's buttons because because he can. And at the same time, Gil Birmingham is pushing right back at him and making fun of Jeff Bridges because he's old. Mm-hmm. And he's like right on the eve of his retirement, and this is his last case. And he's like, nope, I'm going to get these boys and, uh, and, and find out what happens. Um, there are some really cool things that happen in this movie. Of course, this is West Texas, so of course, during one of these bank robberies, a bunch of people are armed, and uh, uh, a major gunfight breaks out because of all these yahoos with concealed carried weapons and uh, a chase through the desert with their, uh, you know, their Chevy Suburbans and stuff uh, going up against. Uh, Chris Pine and Ben Foster. Um, the last 30 minutes of this movie are so intense. Uh, they just really ramp up the tension and you're wondering if they're going to get away with it. You have a lot of pathos for them when you find out what they're doing and why they're doing it. 
and you kind of want them to get away with it because you realize the bank robbers are not the real villains here. That the banks and the oil companies and uh, all of the other like large economic forces that have turned the screws on on these western areas and made it hard for people to live. Um, mm-hmm. The the director here, David McKenzie, works very hard to as your uh, as he gorgeously displays these western prairies and this land uh, in the same way that you would any other western he's also showing you signs of their economic decay billboard after billboard of cash for gold easy loans now mm-hmm. um, and, uh, and and shuttered factories and, and things like that and um, this this movie made me feel a lot of sensitivity and uh, empathy um, for you know the disadvantaged people in these rural communities. And you're like, yeah, you understand why they're so desperate that they would go they would go ahead and take revenge on the banks who were the the instruments of um, of their downfall to begin with. So uh, this is just really great. And the absolute best part is at the very end, there is a final scene between Chris Pine and Jeff Bridges. And the two of them are just circling one another like jackals. And both of them know exactly what the other one's number is. They both know exactly what's up. But there's this like begrudging respect between the two of them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it's it's just absolutely wonderful. This is one of my favorite movies of the year. If you're a fan of westerns, you're absolutely going to love this. Uh, this is um, it's it's not only a great western; it's just a great story. And uh, I I made the comparison to No Country for Old Men because this feels very Coen Brothers esque, and yet it isn't as signature Coen. The Coens like to make you remember, like, oh, this is a Coen Brothers movie. There's some little quirky things in it. This is the Coen Brothers if you took some of those most quirky elements out of it and just kind of played it straight. Mm-hmm. Very tense, terse dialogue, great characters, and uh, a sense of mystery and fun that runs through this. I'm absolutely in love with this movie. Nine and a half out of ten. And see, what's so interesting about this, because, again, it's one I wanted to see. It's just, unfortunately, it wasn't playing at a time where I could, you know, make it or yeah. even go down there. Um, I haven't seen anything for this movie at all. Like, no, I've seen no trailers, no marketing, no TV spots. I didn't yep. even realize it was a modern Western until just now when you were talking about it. Like, I thought it was a classic Western. I had no clue. Yeah. So, I mean, this one is just completely under the radar. I mean, like, there's, there's no, nothing out there about it. Yeah, I know, and and I don't know what's going on. Maybe they just don't think people want to see a modern Western, uh, but I I just can't tell people enough that they need to go see this movie. Um, The only thing that I would recommend more than it, though, is Kubo and the Two Strings, because (laughs) that that really blew my mind. So where are you at with uh, 
Hell or high water? Nine and a half out of ten. Oh wow! Okay, so Kubo, Kubo, then. Uh, yeah, so Kubo and the Two Strings. It's a the stop motion animated movie that's actually in 3D. And this is again one of the few movies I will recommend seeing in three. Did you see it in 3D, Andy? I did not see it in 3D, unfortunately. When I take my kids and my wife back to go see it, we're definitely seeing it in 3D. Yeah, 3D is that way. Unfortunately, we saw it with the crappy Dolby 3D glasses, which are just absolutely nightmares. Um, but even then, there's some really cool effects that uh, this film does that really kind of throws it out there. But uh, stop-motion animated film by uh, the studio <clears throat> uh, studio company Leica. Uh, that we know them from like Paranorman, The Box Trolls, Coraline. The first thing i got to say is anyone who's still doing stop-motion animation, kudos to you because I know how time-consuming it was. I remember in like, high school we used to do little fun projects with it. But the animation in this film is just so absolutely breathtaking. You'd swear to God it was it was CGI. Um, yeah, but it's not. I mean, this is Pixar level animation. It's wonderful, but it's again, it's I can't even imagine how long it took them to make this movie. But uh, it is essentially, I'd say, a Japanese fairy tale. Uh, from what we can tell, it is an original story. Um, but it takes place. Uh, there's a young boy named Kubo, uh, who's voiced by Art Parkinson. Uh, he's only got one eye, and he lives with his mom, who's kind of not really all there. She kind of fades in and out of consciousness. Uh, in this cave overlooking the ocean, and it's at the bottom of the uh, the mountain they're on is a Japanese village, and so he goes down there every single day, and he's a storyteller, uh, and he starts telling you know the stories about uh, samurai fighting great warriors and stuff. Uh, but he has this little instrument called a shamisen, and whenever he plays it, his backpack has all these pieces of paper that fly out and magically transform to origami and reenact the scenes he's talking about. So of course, it's a huge hit with the locals. Um, but one night, he stays out after dark, and he'd been told by his mom time and again, do not stay out after dark. Um, we learn why, is because his mother is actually from the spirit realm, and his grandfather, her father, is the Moon King, uh, who's voiced by Ray Fiennes, and he's been desperately trying to find Kubo to take out his other eye and bring him back into the spirit world. So he's now being chased by the Moon King, by uh, the, his mom's two evil sisters, and... He's being helped by a couple of people. He's got this uh, magical construct called Monkey, which is a monkey that came from this little charm he had, voiced by Charlize Theron. And he's also helped by a beetle samurai, a samurai who was cursed and turned into a beetle, uh, who was voiced by uh, Matthew McConaughey. And together they must go and find this enchanted mythical uh, set of armor and a sword that they can fight the Moon Knight and finally be free of, you know, him and his the evil sisters from the spirit realm. Uh, that's there's a lot more than that, and I'm trying to keep it as as uh, little detail as possible because the point yeah. of this movie is is the it, again it's the journey, not the destination. While the destination is fantastic, it's all the things we learn upon getting there. Um, it's the path he takes when he you know learning the backstories of these characters. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. One of the best films I've seen all year. But Andy, as much as I liked it, you loved it even that much more. Yeah, I. I what I love the most about this is yes it was a fairy tale and like all fairy tales it works on many different levels and this was a movie about storytelling and about stories and about the value of stories and telling the right stories and points at of the view right time. Within, yeah at the right time and how the different points of view of who's telling the story matters and finding your own personal story 
and what that means. And it, it's this great meta commentary on uh, art and creativity and finding your own way in life that uh, that works on that second level beyond just being this absolutely gorgeously animated fun 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 movie the third thing oh this movie's all about family Mm -hmm. and as you find out about the ties between all of the members of of kubo's family and the magic that resides within them it you, the whole time you're wondering, okay, why is this movie called Kubo and the Two Strings? I'm not going to tell you why, because you're looking at his instrument. It's got three strings. Why Why would this be called Kubo and the Two Strings? You'll find out at the end. Yeah. And it is gorgeous. And if it you don't ball your eyes out, you, are, you have no soul. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. You will ball your eyes out. This, oh, this is so, so, so good. I can't wait to see it again. It is absolutely the most gorgeous thing I have seen in a long time. And and beyond that, it's this will work not just for kids. I think you could even take teens in to see this and the creepy, creepy vibe that you get off of this. It's um it's violent and cool without being too scary. And, and it's that exact same line that Laika has always been able to uh, to walk down very well with Paranorman and Coraline that makes it really, uh, really appealing to people of all ages. And I'm just a huge fan of the work that they do. And I, I'm just blown away by this. This is the best thing that they've ever put out. Um, this stands up next to anything that Pixar has put out and is is head and shoulders above even the lesser Pixar movies. Uh, I, I'm just so amazed at this. If, if someone else can come up with something that can beat this for best animated feature, I will be absolutely amazed. This is one of the best animated movies I've seen in the last several years and I'm just yeah. blown away by it. No, you'll, I mean, this, this, you'll definitely see this come in Oscar time. Uh, I, again, I can't think of anything else this year that would con- maybe be in contention with it. Of course, uh, Finding Dory will go up there. Uh, Finding Zootopia. Dory was nice. That was a oh, good yeah. movie, right? But exactly. it, it didn't feel like there was anything new or it, it was, a, it was another movie about Dory and about finding her family and it was beautiful and it was great, and there was nothing wrong with it at all. But oh, no, there was this, wonderful. I saw it twice oh, and loved it. Yeah, but this is just so much next-level stuff. I just, oh, I'm, I'm amazed at this movie. And the, the music, the, uh, the, just the sheer artistry of this, the fact that they have all of these little origami characters and, and what they're able to do with it. Um, I just, I can't go into it too much without spoiling much more of the movie, but it's, it's just amazing. Trust me, you want to see this and you should go ahead and see it on a big screen because this, this really is worth taking your family to because as, as great as it will be to watch this in your home on repeat, 
this is a movie that you go see together as a family and it's a family moment and uh and i hope that that people will take advantage of that yeah and the, and the great thing is it's not a very very long movie either it's about an hour 40 minutes before credits yeah um and you know kids are gonna like it i think if i would hesitate from taking kids below maybe the age of eight just because i don't think they i mean it's pretty colors and they might have fun with that but they might kind of get squirmy that's true and, so, and it might be a little a little tiny bit too scary especially anyone under like six or seven um I yeah because her i mean his aunts the the two two kind of witches going after him they're, they're kind of creepy and they they there's some pretty decent little fight scenes that are um that are rather intense i mean one does involve a, a giant skeleton that's yeah. all i'm gonna say um but like you mentioned before the best i mean yeah there's there's good action in it there's a lot of fun to be had but it's the little quiet moments where they're just talking and going over things and they're learning about each other and, like you mentioned, the, the ties that bind them. Um, that's where this movie just shines. And it was really kind of funny today. I was at work and uh, someone had asked me, you know, hey, what's your what's your favorite movie of the year so far? And we'll actually, you and I will come back to this in a second because we have some plans for next week. Um, but I said, you know, it's kind of a hard question to answer because I'm sure you'll, you'll be the same way as I am because sometimes my favorite movies of the year or the favorite movies I've seen aren't exactly the quote-unquote best movies in the sense that maybe they're not the most well-made. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, sure. you know, I can see a movie and say, you know, this is my favorite, one of my favorite movies of the year. Doesn't mean that it's the best, most best put together. So it's not going to be like your, you know, Oscar-worthy or this and that. But it's a movie I had a ton of fun with. Green Room was one of the best movies I've seen all year. Uh, it's not going to go anywhere. <laughs> in fact, most people don't even know what it is because it's a very, very small release. Uh but thinking back, when you know, the, the ones that popped in my head immediately um, was this film. I mean, this film is not only one of my favorite movies of the year, um, just from a f- pure filmmaking perspective, everything's perfect. I mean, the editing's fantastic. The direction is top-notch. The animation, like we said, is just some of the best you'll see out there. Um, <clears throat> all in all, it's, it's one of the best things I've seen all year, one of the best animated movies I've seen since Inside Out. And, yeah. you know... Just yeah, go see it. And again, it's the 3D recommendation comes very few and far between from me. But this is definitely one that you're going to enjoy seeing in 3D because there are some really cool effects, especially with the flying origami and stuff that makes it seem um, makes it more than just give it a feel of depth, and it does more than just pop out of you. So it's not gimmicky. It just makes it feel more organic and natural. Yeah, and that's one of the great things about stop motion animation, as compared to digital animation, is it's it's real and it's so weird that somehow it just seems more real than something that is drawn or something that is digitally put together uh, there's there's something about it and it's why the nightmare before christmas works it's why kubo works it's why coraline works and it it's hard to kind of put your finger on it i don't know if there's another term like the uncanny valley where you know things that are real seem more real when they're when they're filmed but that's kind of how i feel about it and so when i see something that's stop motion animated uh knowing the amount of time and effort that they put into this you should actually go do yourself a favor and uh look up a video of them animating this giant skeleton monster uh that they have to fight it is the largest stop motion puppet that has ever been created for anything 
uh, and it like fills this giant room, uh, and it's like 10, 15 feet tall, and people are up on ladders and trusses, like moving it around, doing this intricate stop motion animation, and and they speed it up, and you see the people like zipping in and out, and you understand like how it took them days and weeks to film just just a few moments of this film and it's mind-boggling and the amount of work that was put into this the results are just fantastic yeah and then the, the uh two last things and i i've, I've uh, again I, I've, we've been gushing and i know it's <laughs> it's hard not to uh but i can't we haven't really talked much about the performances and i mean charlie Theron oh. as as monkey is just absolutely fantastic i mean you she fills the role so perfectly, and it's one of those things where, like, voice actors and people who are in CGI, like, there needs to be a, a, a award, a ca- award category for them mm-hmm. because these characters just would just be paper mache. They wouldn't be real living, breathing things if not for the voices that bring them to life. Um, and she, she's absolutely fantastic. I think one of her best performances ever. And then Matthew McConaughey, uh, it's it's really good to see him again evolving as an actor instead of like the all right, all right, all right kind of frat boy he's known as um but i really really love and i'm, I'm not going to say what happens at the end but so many movies especially especially fairy tales always end with you know everyone lives happily ever after after evil was vanquished um but i love that this one the the offer of redemption that's given we'll just say that um you don't yeah. see that in, you don't you don't only say that in many movies first of all um, especially not fairy tales or even kids movies. You know, you think of like Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and the evil witch dies or the, they go to jail or bad things happen to them. And I'm not going to say what happens, but it's just beautiful and poignant and just shows that there are good people out there who are willing to forgive and forget and help make, and change someone's life for the better, even if that person maybe doesn't deserve it. Yeah. Uh, going back to the voice acting, I don't know what is with Charlize Theron, but she always somehow manages to choose the most interesting projects that she just knocks out of the park and you know from from monster to mad max to this it's like she somehow like grabs on to these things that other people might like might not see any value in and then she just takes it to that next level mcconaughey yes and then i also got a I also got to give a shout out to Rooney Mara as uh, the the witch sisters. Oh yeah, she's hey, fantastic too. She's Just evil so and conniving and ugh, and so creepy and so awesome. And then, quick shout out to. George Takei. Who I just uh, saw was in it too. I didn't realize that. <laughs> who does, if you notice, he shows up and at one point he does go, oh my. <laughs> Next time you see it, listen for the listen for the Takei. Yeah, going, now I, now oh I know my. what character he is. And it's funny because yeah. I, I didn't realize that. I was on Wikipedia kind of looking up some of the, the actors just now and I saw him. I was like, oh, which one was he? And I was like, oh yeah. And then I'm scrolling through and there's this wonderful meme. It says, George Takei once called for peace between Star Wars and Star Trek fans to unite against Twilight fans. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's, it was really hilarious watching this. And then as soon as he went, oh my, I'm like, oh, that's George Takei. I got it. Good old George Takei. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I love this movie. I think it's fantastic. 
I can't see any other thing beating it out for best picture, for best animated picture. Uh, I'm at a 9.5. It's, I think, just it li- there's a couple things I wouldn't change, but um, I absolutely loved it. So don't think I'm saying it's about you know there's anything wrong with it. it just for me, it just didn't quite hit the level of perfection I was looking for, but it was damn close. Yeah, I'm at a 10. I just I'm I'm blown away by the the multiple levels that this movie brought that it can be enjoyed on and it's one of the best movies that I've seen all year. In fact, I'm going to have a very hard time uh coming up with a best of um because I've got three movies that I love very dearly and I don't know which one of those three uh is is the best movie I've seen all year so. And we've far. still got a bunch to go. <laughs> yep, still got a lot to go. So, and speaking of a bunch to go, actually, uh, this week coming up, there are no screenings. Uh, there's nothing new coming out. It's the last week of August. Well, okay, to be fair, there are movies coming out. We're not showing just them to us. <laughs> them for critic. And, and so, I don't know whether I'm going to go see Don't Breathe or Mechanic Resurrection. Probably not Mechanic Resurrection. I kind of want to see Don't Breathe because I, I like what Fede Alvarez did with the last Evil Dead movie, and I think this might be interesting. It's kind of a cool concept, but I don't know if I'm going to shell out 10 bucks for it. We'll see. Yeah, and, and the problem is, it's the last week of August. This and February are like the worst, are the dumping grounds for, for movies, which people, yeah, there, there's not much. So if we get a chance to see some of those, one of those two, we'll definitely talk about them next week. But I think what we're going to go over instead is uh, we kind of finished up the the summer blockbusters, and we're kind of heading into the home stretch, going towards award season. So, Andy and I are going to discuss some of the movies that we've loved this year, maybe some movies we didn't like so much, uh, and then to talk about some of the ones coming up that we're really excited for, or don't understand why the hell they're being released. <laughs> yeah, good call. So that's that, and then of course the week after that we have Salt Lake Comic Con. Uh, we've you know we mentioned before the panels will be on. So keep an eye out for us there. Uh, we'll also be staying at the Monaco. Uh, we're going to be roommates. Yay! Yes, we are. <laughs> for three days. Wackiness will ensue. <laughs> oh, yeah. You thought it was crazy last time when we weren't even sharing rooms. We were just visiting. Yeah. Uh, but no, Salt Lake Comic Con. It will be a blast. Check us out on SaltLakeComicCon.com. Um, and, yeah, we're excited for that. We're prepping. But until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon.
Oh